morning, Africa, and welcome to Debrek Africa from the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vungani in Washington, and today's Friday, the 16th of December, and here are some of the stories we are covering for you. The outgoing U.S. Special Envoy for the Great Lakes region of Africa, Thomas Perriero, warns that the risk of mass atrocities and civil war in the region remains disconcertingly high. U.S. Special Envoy for the Great Lakes Region of Africa, Thomas Perriero. And the U.N. mission in South Sudan, Unimis, has stepped up its patrols of protection of civilian sites after human rights groups say that the peacekeepers did not do enough to protect civilians from violence. After the July crisis, the accomplishment of the patrol is increased from day to day. So there is no interruption, night and day. Major Ashlu Jedef is the chief of operations for the Ethiopian Battalion of Anmis. And several civil society organizations are calling for return to justice in Mozambique following a series of killings targeting lawyers and judges in the country. Those stories and more are coming up right here on Daybreak Africa. Outgoing U.S. Special Envoy for the Great Lakes region of Africa, Thomas Perriero, warns that the risk of mass atrocities and civil war in the region remains disconcertingly high. Mr. Perriero, who has been the Special Envoy for the past 18 months, has led the United States diplomatic and political effort to reverse the region's worst trends and to find solutions to the lingering regional conflicts. In Burundi, Perriero say that they continue to see worrisome indicators. According to Perriero, since April 2015, when Burundian President Pierre Nurunziza made the decision to violate several key elements of the Arusha Agreement, the country has been plunged into a cycle of violence and disintegration. Thousand Burundians have been killed, 
In DR Congo, where President Joseph Kabila's second term expires December 19th, Periol say that the next few days, weeks, and perhaps months will determine whether the DRC will be defined by the worst of its past or the greatness of its future. In Ghana, the spokesman for incoming president-elect Nana Akufo-Addo says that the first 100 days, the incoming president will implement measures that seek to restore the dignity of the office of the president. Mustafa Hamid tells viewers Peter Cloti that Mr. Akufo-Addo will keep the promises he made during the campaign, including that of the one district, one factory, and one village dam. We hope that the first 100 days, um, Ghanaians would see um, concrete things that would be established or put on the ground to ensure that, um, you know, the country is going to move in the right direction, um, that people would begin to see a difference. I've said that um, he would bring dignity to the office of the president. Um, he would really establish the presidency as the embodiment of the spirit and soul. Uh, and the values of our country. Those things would be, would be clearly visible. And even, I believe, by the caliber of people who he's going to name as uh, ministers and deputy ministers and so on, he would send a clear signal to the country that um, he intends to run this country well and to run it uh, on, on the principles of good governance, uh, on integrity, honesty, and so on. Um, so I'm sure by the 100 days there will be measurable benchmarks by which we can have a proper conversation about the direction of the country. How confident are you that when he's officially sworn into office as the next president of Ghana, the promises he made, including the one district, one factory, and one district or, you know, one, uh, is it one uh, dam, those will be achieved to boost the economy to create jobs for uh, the unemployed youth. There are certain promises that you can default on, but there are certain promises where default is non-negotiable. I mean, we, we cannot, we simply cannot default on certain promises because those are promises that are, if you want, the core uh, of 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 how to drive our country forward. And, for example, in the north, um, one village, one dam in the north, it, it should be non-negotiable because the northern part of our country um, is such that without agriculture, nothing else works. You know, the mainstay of the people of those parts is agriculture. And for agriculture to thrive in those parts, uh, you need a, a system where people can engage in their farming activities 12 months in a year, you know, and, and therefore it is something that we will do and we are determined to do. So these are not the kinds of promises that you want to default about. Otherwise, then on what basis are you promising uh, to lift your people out of poverty? So I am dead sure that we are going to tackle these um, manifesto uh, solutions with all the seriousness that we 
Mustafa Hamid is the spokesman for Ghana's president-elect Nana Akufo-Addo. He was speaking to VOS Peter Cloti. The family of a prominent Gambian opposition leader who died in state custody in April has called on Gambia's incoming government of President-elect Adama Barrow to prosecute those complicit in his death. Salo Sendeng was the national organizing secretary of the opposition United Democratic Party, UDP. He died in detention shortly after his arrest for participating in a peaceful protest. From Senegal's capital, Dhaka, Sene Marena, has this report. The family of late Solo Sande fled to Senegal where they currently live. His younger daughter and son and wife say they now await justice for their father. Fatumata Sande is the oldest daughter of Solo Sande. She said that she is keeping her father's legacy and seeking justice. The Gambia should remember my dad for ushering in a new Gambia, a free Gambia, a democratic Gambia, a Gambia that we are hopeful to live in in the Third Republic. So um, I'm not talking as his daughter. Right now I'm talking as a Gambian. Mm-hmm. I'm so much grateful mm-hmm. that he made us aware of what really should be done and what really has been going on. I was born and found my father doing this his whole life. So you can imagine that he has always been one person who knew something was wrong and he fought to make sure everybody knew what was going on. So we're grateful to Solo for sacrificing his life that not many people would be able to do. He knew he was going to die. He knew what was going to happen to him that day that he set up from home and he told me, I'm going. But then whatever happens, make sure you people are safe. 20-year-old Mohammed Sandeng also fled with his mom, brothers and sisters in April. He told me the family is seeking for answers on how their father was killed. He said the new government should investigate and bring those responsible for his father's death to book. I foresee justice for my dad because for every case there must be justice at the end and I actually foresee justice for my father whether long term or short term. The ununderstandable situation here is why wasn't the body given to us and there was an affidavit that said that he died of shock and a respiratory failure but if he had not died of torture which we all believe in why wasn't the body given to us for proper burial what were they afraid of we are still asking for the, the body of my father and asking for the perpetrators to be brought to justice their mother Nima Sandeng is confident that no matter how long it takes the culprits in the murder of her husband will be brought to book I thank God We are emotional, but at the same time we are happy because the reasons that propelled my husband to take to the street was for the freedom of Gambians. I am hopeful his death will not go in vain. Fighting for one's country is jihad. I am confident justice will be served in Solo's case by the grace of God. As his wife, I believe the truth will come out of the case. Around 150 supporters have joined Usain Dabo, leader of the opposition United Democratic Party, to call for justice in the case of Mr. Sande, who served as UDP organizing secretary. Lawyer Dabo was with Fatumata Sande on that fateful day when security forces arrested him with overdosing other party supporters. Dabo was released on bail after spending over six months. 
Gambia's president-elect Adama Barrow, coalition leader and formerly of the Opposition United Democratic Party, had previously vowed to prosecute President Yaya Jame and those accused of committing crimes against humanity in the Gambia. Many Gambians since the electoral defeat of longtime ruler Yaya Jame, who last week rejected the outcome of the election, want him to be prosecuted for crimes he committed during his 22 years in power. Reporting for Daybreak on VOA, I am Seni M.K. Marena in Dakar. The UN mission in South Sudan has stepped up its role of its protection of civilian sites. This is after human rights groups say that the peacekeepers did not do enough to protect civilians from the violence that struck Juba in July. From South Sudan, Jill Craig has this report. It's another hot day here in Juba, and an Ethiopian battalion has just begun its afternoon patrol of a UN Protection of Civilians, or POC, camp, housing about 39,000 internally displaced people, or IDPs. Major Ashalo Gedef is the chief of operation for the Ethiopian Battalion of UNMISS. After July crisis, the accomplishment of the patrol is increased from day to day. So there is no interruption, night and day. There is no interruption. Increased patrols are among the new procedures put in place after an investigation found that UN personnel failed to protect civilians and aid workers during the July violence in Juba. More than 300 people were killed. Rapes, looting and other attacks also took place. UNMIS says more watchtowers have been installed and a weapons-free zone has been created on the periphery. Patrols now escort women to collect firewood in response to concerns about an increase in sexual violence against civilians around the POC site. This female IDP says she has friends who have been raped outside the site, but she believes security is better now. She says, these days I'm able to go outside. But in those days, when there was conflict here, I was unable to go outside. But another IDP argues that life is still quite grim. We don't have enough water, we don't have enough food, security is not very okay, and life is actually very terrible. Kids don't go to school, healthy people are dying because there's no good medical services. Tensions have continued to grow between the government and the UN mission. South Sudan initially rejected a U.S. proposal to deploy an additional 4,000 U.N. peacekeepers to the country in the wake of the fighting in July, but has now agreed to allow them, even though the technicalities are still being worked out. UNMIS spokesperson Chantal Persaud says freedom of movement is limited for the existing force of about 12,000 peacekeepers and police. We are still being restricted from conducting patrols across the country, not just in Juba. There are six POC sites in South Sudan, hosting about 224,000 IDPs. Most have been in existence since the conflict began in December 2013. Michael McQuay, South Sudan's Minister of Information, argues that the United Nations has overstepped its mandate by establishing POC sites for what he calls fundraising purposes. And if there are people who are living on these people, if you remove them, then you have deprived them of their livelihood. This is how I understand it. This is not correct. We want all these people to be taken to their home areas. If they are unable to provide the protection, should they, okay, will they assemble all the people of South Sudan in the POC so that they protect them? Persaud of the UN says the POC sites were never intended to become permanent. For now, Ethiopian troops continue to patrol this site, both in UN vehicles and on foot to provide a better sense of security to the IDPs until they can return home. Jill Craig, VOA News, Juba.
Several civil society organizations are calling for a return to justice in Mozambique following a series of killings targeting lawyers and judges in the country. The president of the Mozambican Association of Judges, Carlos Montlane, said that in recent years, organized criminals have tried to intimidate and silence the justice system through attacks against judges and lawyers. Another group, the Mozambican Human Rights League, said the murders are going unsolved due to police indiscipline, corruption, and a complete absence of professional ethics. The group says that this targeting of the legal community is spreading fear. In Africa, as in other parts of the world, food habits are among the oldest and most entrenched aspects of many cultures. People's cultural backgrounds often determines what they eat, but as most African societies evolve into middle-class status, new foods are introduced into their household diets, often without much health-related information available to the people. Radiant Health magazine is Nigeria's first women's health magazine. The founder of the magazine, Nena Kalu Makanjwala, tells me that better nutrition and health living in Africa requires an understanding of factors that influence what we eat. But the whole idea behind it really came about from my own experience with my father's illness. Um, when I was young growing up in Nigeria and he had to have a heart surgery that wasn't available in country, and so he had it in the U.S., but when he came back, he had to come up with a healthy diet for him. And, you know, you know, being the African man that he is, he's not going to have salad greens, you know, most of the day. So we had to come up with something for him. <laughs> uh, Af- Af- African men don't eat salad? Is that what you're trying to say? No, no. That's, what <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say, Your Honor. Uh, <laughs> no, go ahead, go ahead. And so your father had to change his diet. Having grown up not eating certain foods, you had to find a diet that fits his uh, new health uh, reality. Right. But the, the, the problem with this is it's not that we don't have healthy food, you know. Part of the problem is that even if you do, you don't know how to, there just wasn't information out there on what to do, you know. Mm. And several years later, after I've gone through my own education, which was really me going into health field was really motivated by my experience. But, you know, 10, 15, 20 years later, you find out that there's still not that sort of credible information out there, you know, if that's what you wanted, you would still have a really hard time finding it. And so that was really, you know, one of the main impetus for me to found, um, to start Radiant Health. What are some of uh, the health habits that we have on the continent that you feel that um, need to be addressed, that are longstanding, traditional, I guess, uh, or cultural, that we need new sets of information to kind of either unlearn or kind of modify? But, you know, the, the thing is that um, a lot of times people think that our African culture is incompatible with health, mm. and that is completely the opposite of what we believe in as mediums. You know, we actually believe that if we eat and move the way our ancestors did, and coupled with modern medicine, we'll actually be much, much healthier. So right now, one of the trends that I see that is really hurting us is the Western influence, which is, you know, the Western diet influence. So... Um, we have all the fast foods moving in, which we eat in huge quantities. And even when we eat our own traditional foods, we're eating also in large quantities. If you look at somebody's plate of rice or the you know, the gary that somebody's eating, it's usually a really humongous portion. Mm. And then we're not we're not exercising as we should. You know, we're not moving. People have 
moving more to the urban areas, so we're not moving around as much as um, as much as we should. And then you couple that with just not having proper access to information on the right thing to do, you know, and that becomes a really big problem. The other thing I see also is that we don't talk about our health issues. You know, we we tend to hide. We tend to hide our health problems. Health is very uh, such of a private, personal uh, topic. Yes, and we I think we hide it to our own detriment. You know, usually people come out really at the last second when there's almost really nothing that um, that can be done about it. So one of the things that we're really, really adamant about is on telling African health stories. You know, so we we have people that have written very candidly about their own personal illnesses because we think that it, the more you hear it, you know, the more you believe that, okay, this is not a death sentence the way I thought. Or, you know, you start to feel like you're not alone even and that there's something that you can possibly do about it. And it's now time for Daybreak Africa Sports, and here's Samson O'Malley in Abuja, Nigeria. Good morning, Samson. Good morning, Jackson. We begin with the Calf Beach Soccer Africa Cup of Nations currently taking place in Lagos, Nigeria, where Senegal became the first team to qualify for the semifinals as they saw off defending champions Madagascar 3-1 on Wednesday. On Thursday, Senegal made it three wins out of three on match day three in the group stage after overpowering Libya 10-2 in the group B match on Thursday. Egypt stunned Cote d'Ivoire 4-2 in a Group A encounter on Thursday and claimed a semi-final sport, leaving the chances of the Ivorians hanging in the balance. The win moves Egypt to six points, while Cote d'Ivoire remains on four points. President Muhammadu Buhari has ordered the immediate payment of all outstanding allowances and bonuses being ordered Super Falcons. This was after the victorious Nigerian women at the just-concluded African Women Cup of Nations in Cameroon embarked on a protest match against the non-payment of the allowances by the Nigerian Football Federation. The Super Falcons staged a protest match carrying various placards with inscriptions to the gate of the presidential villa, the National Assembly in Abuja. The members of the Senate Committee on Sport assured the Super Falcons of payment of their outstanding allowances. Has it become a crime to make your country proud when even those that played the final and lost have been celebrated by their own country and the winners? are here languishing, unattended to. Mr. Speaker, my highly esteemed colleagues, this must stop. And this evil spirit must die in this country. They cannot say we can. Even, okay, don't even give them money, but treat them well. Africa's representative at the 2016 FIFA Club World Cup in Osaka, Japan, Memelode Sundowns, went down 4-1 to Jambuk FC of South Korea to finish six out of the seven teams in the FIFA Club World Cup tournament in Osaka, Japan. Memelode Sundowns coach Pizzo Mosimene says their mere participation at the Club World Cup in Osaka, Japan is an experience of a lifetime. We are here to compete. We are here to, to improve our product. We are here to, to do our best of abilities and see how far we can get. And we are also here to enjoy football. Elsewhere, Luther Singh scored a sensational hat-trick and Menzel Ndandiwe weighed in with a double as Amajita, SA men's under-20 national team, Walloped Angola 5-0 in a one-sided semi-final match to book a final date with Zambia in the Kosafa Cup tournament taking place at the Morenga Stadium in the Northeast. Young Chipolopolo of Zambia had earlier on beat DR Congo 2-1 to advance to the final of the 2016 Kosafa Under-20 Championships. 
In athletics news, six Moroccan athletes are included in a list of 19 new doping cases released by the International Association of Athletics Federation, IWAF. And that's it for Daybreak Africa Sports. I am Samson Omale in Abuja, Nigeria. Over to you, Jackson, in Washington. Thank you, Samson. And that's it for this Friday, December 16th edition of Daybreak Africa. On behalf of the Daybreak Africa group, I'm Jackson Vungani in Washington, wishing you all in Africa a good weekend. African Music Mix. Everyone is looking for something special when maybe they should just listen instead. The VOA's African Music Mix will soothe your nerves and calm your head. Tune in from 0 to 300 UTC and 1100 to 1300 hours UTC to make you feel good. So treat yourself to that something special.